Welcome to the Yellow Jackets Hive. I'm Media Melanie here with. And I'm Emily. And today we are here to recap, spill, and speculate all about Yellow Jackets episode 207, Burial. Yes. Yes. And, and I think this one was my favorite one so far. You said that. And mm-hmm. a lot of things happened. We got a lot of questions answered. Um, of course, we had a chance to recap a little bit of it on our Hive After Dark on Sunday, um, which is always super fun. We've got the fans in the comments. But before Hi, we... Oh, Vine's here. <laughs> Yay, what's up? Um, before we get started, just take care of a little of our fun business stuff. Um, thought we'd promote our Co-Ed Naked collaboration again. Um, I am wearing my Co-Ed Naked podcasting shirt. Uh, if you go to coednaked.com and shop using code HIVE20, you can save 20% on anything at Co-Ed Naked, including our podcasting shirt. Or they also have the Co-Ed Naked soccer shirt, which is very similar to the one that Van wore in yellow jackets. So mm-hmm. um, check it out. And we've also got a Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. Check it out yeah. and welcome to our new patrons. We've picked up some more this week. So thanks. Yeah. Guys. And we're doing an exclusive episode each month that's only available on Patreon. So sign up because we're going to be putting out more content there. We sure are. And our May patron-only episode will cover Is Misty Quigley a Serial Killer? And now we've got even more context for that episode, of course, after hearing that Misty is a closer. Um, you know, Walter <laughs> mentioning that Misty is a serial killer, and he's cool with it, no big deal. So that's going to be a fun one, and it will be for patrons this month. So yeah. stay tuned for that. Okay, Emily, why don't you read the episode description for Burial? Sometimes the best therapy is cranking the hits to 11, so today we're exploring the hardcore kid care revival movement, 11 o'clock theatrical bird core numbers, some late hits of the renovation wave era, call us about a spinoff HGTV, flower duets, and a classic live record. Out in the wilderness, Coach Scott does a great Carl Havoc impression for an unimpressed Misty. Yes, and of course we also received our Yellow Jackets mail from this episode. Uh, we saw the ring, which looks a lot like um, Javi and Travis's dad's ring. Yes. We saw a bird, and we saw a goat. Um, of course, the bird. We saw the Caligula human-sized music number, um, and the goat. We saw Bruce. But mm-hmm. Emily, we did not see the ring. What do you no. make of that? Do you think it was a mistake? you think it'll be the next episode? What are your thoughts? I feel like it's coming this week, like, because I know we've said this already, like, the clues have obviously pertained to each episode, but the first clue for the first episode was lipstick, and the lipstick didn't come into play until episode two, so I'm thinking that it will come into play this week, because, like you said, that ring looks exactly like the ring that Travis got from his dad for Hobby. And I know I mentioned this in the after show that in one of the group chats that I'm in for Yellow Jacket, somebody suggested that maybe the ring had to do with Ty taking off her wedding ring in the adult timeline and like placing it on that rock, which is always a thought. But I feel like deep down that it has to do with Javi. I think so, too. I'm sticking to my theory that Javi's going to be the body on the stick based on the bottom of those converse. Um, And then, you know, the title of this episode, Emily, Burial, right? We Mm -hmm. saw the cabin was buried in snow. Uh, Mm -hmm. We saw Shauna do kind of a makeshift burial for her baby. 
Um, and then we also saw MFQ trying to unbury Crystal's body, which yeah. we still have not found. Mm-hmm. Where do you think her body is? I don't know. I have no idea. Like, they've done such a good job at making us second guess if Crystal was even a real person. Like, and I feel like that was their intention. But there's so many things that, like, logically make sense that she would be real. Like, why would the other girls be talking about her? Why would they be talking about going to find her? Like, Mari addressed both Misty and Crystal when she approached them about picking a card for the chores. So I can get why people would assume that, but I think she was real. But it just, it doesn't make any sense as to why she didn't find her body. Like, unless she just, like, didn't dig in the right spot, maybe there was more snow than we realized or something like that. But it's just, it's so weird and it's so creepy that, like, she wasn't there. So creepy. So weird. Um, And back to the burial again, the other forever mentioned the police unburied somebody also, which is something Emily had called in a prior episode saying Mm -hmm. that that would pertain to Adam's torso being found. And then we also have uh, Lisa Matthews, the adults uncovering uh, their buried trauma. Yes. And troll on a roll, they buried their memory. So I feel like there's a lot of burial imagery metaphors in this episode and it it uh, a lot happened so we will Mm -hmm. get into the um recap here oh you know what one more comment just joe if the cabin was snowed in several feet you'd think crystal would just be deeper in the snow she looked to be in the exact spot so maybe she is deeper and there was just a lot more snow you know or maybe it was an animal the the porch of the cabin when they opened that door like the snow was all the way up to the top of the door almost so they had a lot of snow and I don't think that it was a lot of time that passed. So it happened pretty quickly. I think the amount of snowfall that was there. So maybe she really was just buried too deep and she didn't find her. That could be Alex is saying, I read people were saying there was a clear outline of her in the snow. I don't remember seeing a clear outline, but that is interesting. And like Vine said, we might just have to wait for the snow to melt and Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens then. So um, a couple other things uh, with this episode, the phone number, if you Mm -hmm. have not yet called the emergency phone line at Sunshine Honey Wellness, give it a call, 607-478-1033. You will hear an actual recorded message. It's kind of fun. You can also text it, um, but really smart, immersive marketing. So give that number And that's a a real area code because that's the area code my husband had before we moved to Florida. (laughs) That's so cute. I like that. And another thing with the episode, too, um, our friend Jamie on Twitter uh, had tweeted, I have a half-formed theory about the episodes with the different Alanis versions of the theme, also being the ones with camera distortion, hallucinations, but I need to figure out how to articulate it. That fascinates me because, of course, we did have the no return with Alanis Morissette on this one, Mm -hmm. um, and we did have a lot of these camera distortions and hallucinations in both timelines, so that was a really prevalent theme in this one and maybe there is some kind of tie-in to yeah which which open they use so definitely possible because i mean they've used the alanis opening twice now they sure have they sure have was it the same both times or did it sound different because i sounded sounded different different. it sounded like a different version to me um it seems like they may have recorded a couple so maybe there's even more in the can that we haven't heard yet so um, i love it yeah 
Yes. So, uh, all right. Well, let's move on to the um, chronological highlights. And why don't we start with the teen timeline? Um, Emily, how does the episode open? It opens up with, I honestly think that that song choice for this opening of this episode may be my favorite song choice for the whole series with Something in the Way by Nirvana. It was absolutely perfect. Like, it showed them in the cabin. They've obviously been cooped up for quite some time, like a couple days. And they're dealing with like the aftermath of Shauna's labor, basically. Like they all look very sad. They all look like they obviously don't want to be there, which why would you want to be there? Um, and yeah, it's snowing really heavily. We know they're stuck in there for a while. And Ty, like, attempts to get Shauna to take a drink of water. And Shauna's, like, not having it. Like, wants nothing to do with her. Is still very much in, like, a traumatized headspace. Which is totally understandable, considering what she just went through. Oh, absolutely. And Ty's really trying. You know, once mm-hmm. they get the snow... Uh, unburied and the door open. She's like, you know, get out there, take a walk. So Ty is really trying to comfort Shauna in this situation. And I can't imagine the dark place that she is indeed in after having lost her baby. And then being stuck in the cabin with it, you know, for for days too is not, I know, still holding the baby. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Um, Lottie had pointed out that the snow had stopped and, um, Travis, Mari and Akila had pried open the door. The snow falls inward. They attempt to dig themselves out. Um, and then Shauna does end up leaving the cabin. She takes a walk by herself and she buries her son's body underneath some rocks. And she says, it's you and me against the world. Oh my God. That was that made me was so sad. Really sad. It was hard to watch. Um, yeah. And we should note, you know, she the ground is frozen. There's a lot mm-hmm. of snow, so she just kind of placed the baby underneath some rocks. Do you think that's gonna come back to bite her in some way? I feel like it's possible um, because in the previews that we see for next week, it we finally see the scene of them like running and charging at something with like their makeshift weapons. And I know there's been a lot of speculation that maybe an animal like found the baby's body and took the baby's body and they were trying to get it back. But I don't know about that one just because there really haven't been very many animals out there to even like take it. So I've seen people say, like, what if Javi took the baby's body for some reason? And then that's why they chase Javi, and that's why Javi ends up dead. I don't know if I believe that, but I definitely think there's a chance that, like, that baby's going to come back into play. It certainly does seem that way. And the battle scene that we see in the next episode is very intriguing to me. I've been dying to know if, first of all, if it's real or if yeah. it's a hallucination, right? It looks yeah. real. It doesn't seem to have any distortions, but of course we only get to see the chunk they showed us. So we don't know what's before or after that. So it's possible that it could be a hallucination just because like, if you think about it, so much of what we saw in the trailer has been hallucinations. Mm-hmm. So it would fit along with that. It would, it would absolutely fit. Um, Something that really got me in this episode as well was when Ty and Van were having the conversation and and Van was 
recollecting the fact that she's still there and, you know, what's her purpose. And that moment really kind of struck a chord with me as well. Um, And then, of course, we see things mirrored in the adult timeline with Van and Ty as well. So there's a lot of a lot of Ty Van moments and look how happy they are. I mean, look at the smiles on their faces as they're outside. And uh, I just I love that. I love that. Ty tells her, like, I need you. Like, I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for you. Like, you've helped me with my sleepwalking. Like, and Van really did save her life. Like, she almost walked off of that shit cliff that they dumped their the poop out of or into. So <laughs> yeah, like if she wasn't there, who knows what would have happened to her. Right. It's it's very hard to say. And uh I mean Van wasn't even supposed to live. The reason they yep. even kept her was because they loved Liv Houston so much. They're such an amazing actor and yep. have done such a great job portraying Van. And you know, they decided to keep the character. So I think yeah. that's fascinating too. And I love that the writers are able to kind of shift and move with the punches a little bit to make decisions that really work for the show. And Van is a big decision that has worked for the show. Yeah. I'm really glad that we get teen Van for like the remainder of the time that they're out there because I love her character. I know. And of course, we'll get into it more with the adult timeline, but it's not looking so good for adult Van and her terminal cancer diagnosis. So eek, not great news. Um, But back at the cabin, Coach Ben has quite the episode, right? He's having another hallucination. And this one really blurs the lines between reality and his hallucination. Emily, walk us through what he was seeing in that Paul hallucination. So again, like you said, like his reality and his fantasy are really meshing together at this point. So we see him seeing Paul in the actual cabin. Like it's just the cabin this time. It's not the apartment that we saw before that he had that vision of. And Paul answers a phone call and we don't know what the person on the phone said, but they said, but he said he's not ready. And Ben gets really confused. Paul's like, we need to sit down. We need to have a conversation. And Ben is like, I don't want to sit. Like you need to tell me what's going on. And Paul was kind of like, he was like kind of cryptic with what he said, I thought. Like, here, I have the quote. Let me read it. He said, I have to go. Where do you think you are, Ben? You had to have known you can't stay here forever. This was never meant to be your hiding place. It doesn't matter. What matters now is that you aren't welcome here anymore. So that to me was like Paul saying like, you're not welcome in this headspace anymore. Like you can't keep using this as an escape to escape what's actually happening to you. In reality, you kind of have to face it. And yeah, the situation sucks, but like you're in it. So you have to deal with it. Yes. And this is the last episode that we're slated to see Paul. Uh, Francois Arnaud had signed on for four episodes. This was Mm -hmm. the fourth one. So I think that's the end of the Paul hallucinations. But it was not the end of Coach Ben. Um, He had decided to give himself a nice clean shave. And he um, ended up wandering over to Shit Cliff. And it looked like he was... He was going to jump and luckily MFQ was there to, in her own special little way, encourage him to stay alive, um, including some threats, um, you know, that she would eat his high calorie butt meat, that (laughs) uh, she would tell the whole world that he's gay, which was, you know, 
And or that he impregnated Shauna and he was going to impregnate the rest of them. Yes. <laughs> highly disturbing. Highly disturbing. So uh, it works. Coach Ben does not go off shit cliff. He is still alive to see another day. Um, so. That to me like solidifies that he's going to make it through this season. Because I don't think that he would think about killing himself and almost jump off that ledge just to have them kill him like in the next episode. Right. Definitely not. And um, after the shave, Paul um, had put on the jacket that Travis was seen wearing in the teen timeline and tells Benny loves him. Everyone loves him. And he walks out the front door of the cabin. Coach follows him outside and he screams Paul's name. Right. Mm -hmm. And Ty and Man are out there. And um, God, that's such a cute picture. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they kind of look up and they're like, Coach, are are you okay? Um, Yeah. It just kind of came out of nowhere, him charging out the door and yelling, Paul, like, they're probably like, um, I mean, they've all had moments lately, like when Travis walked into the bedroom an episode or two ago and is like, "Uh, you okay in here? Um, Yeah. So, like, they are, like, realizing that his behavior is weird, but I don't know if, like, it's enough for them to, like, do anything about it. Yeah, he's still the adult and he's still alive, so... uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Misty overhears a conversation, and this reminded me a lot of when she in the pilot had overheard the girl saying yeah. how awesome she was handling this whole situation. It, it kind of mirrored that a little bit. Yeah. She's she's out there and she's kind of, you know, listening to the other girls and she overhears Jen, Akila, and Mari. They're having a discussion about how Misty helped with Shauna's labor. Uh, Mari chimes in with a snide comment and says, Misty realizes there's some suspicion in regards to what happened to Crystal. So Misty's sitting back there and thinking to herself, oh, crap, like they're suspecting that maybe I did something to Crystal. And Mari's kind of leading the charge with that. I feel like Akila is, um, you know, trying to have the benefit of the doubt for Misty. Misty did, you know, did her best during labor. She, of course, came through at the end. But, I mean, it was very traumatic. Can't hold that against her. So, you know, Misty is starting to formulate some kind of a plan to take the heat off of her and divert suspicion so the rest of her cabin mates don't think that she killed Crystal. Yep. And I think that her overhearing Mari say those things, like – may not fare well for Mari like down the road because like Mari was saying like maybe she's more psychotic than we thought like and saying like the like you said the other two were like kind of giving her the benefit of the doubt like they were saying that she was really helpful and Mari was just like going at her like saying she's a psycho and saying like she, she did bring up the fact that like Misty attempted to poison the coach, like, and she claimed to be in love with him. So there may be a little bit of reason as to why she called her that. But I feel like that's not going to be good for Mari because Misty is well aware, like you said, that people have these suspicions. So she obviously does something about it. She does. She formulates a plan. She gathers the entire group together and says they all need to go look for Crystal. Coach Ben actually backs her up and agrees, saying that if Javi could survive out there for two months alone, that maybe Crystal could survive for a few days. So at this point, the group in the cabin, uh, Ty, Van, Lottie, Jen, Melissa, Misty, Akila, Ben, Travis, they gather in a circle and they start chanting, we hear the wilderness and 
it hears us. Mm-hmm. So there they are trying to summon whatever's out there for some good juju for recovering Crystal Crystal's body. Yeah, I feel like that's like their prayer now. Like they're using it as some kind of a prayer in a way. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. Um, This next conversation was really funny. Um, Jen and Melissa had a conversation about what will happen if they find Crystal's body. I love it. And you're going to read that in a second. But also we have uh, Jen and Melissa, Maya Lowe and uh, Jenna Burgess on the Hive After Dark on Sunday, both together, go JV. So definitely do not miss that. It's going to be fun chatting with them. But um, Emily, read us their little interaction about Crystal's body. I thought this was hilarious. Okay. I hope they find Crystal alive. But like if they find her and she's not, I mean, wouldn't that wouldn't be the worst thing that could happen, right? You mean we could... Well, I'm not saying I want to. I just, you know, if that's the situation, then... um, it would be disrespectful to the wilderness to waste it, right? Yeah, exactly. But I still hope that she's okay. Oh, same, no question. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. I I absolutely love that interaction. And Misty was like creeping, and she heard them, and she's like, "I'm not gonna let them eat you, Kristen." <laughs> I know, and I love that she's reverted to calling her Kristen. Yeah. Um. And uh, our friend Vine, I love that moment because it's even more surprising when Crystal's missing. Vine, we still need to get you to record the eulogy that you wrote that MFQ would read at Crystal's funeral. So don't worry. I swear we are going to arrange a time for that. So, yes. (laughs) Um, And then Shauna gets a look at the bloody blanket that was left over from Mm. labor. And she starts to have a flashback and she reverts back to that dream of the group eating her baby. Um, she takes the blanket and tosses it in the fire. Yeah. <sighs> All the baby stuff. That was stuff. a lot of blood. It was a lot of blood. Honestly, yeah. I'm I'm shocked that she even survived. Maybe all the yeah. spilling of that blood is what allowed her to survive. Um, I don't know. But yeah. yikes. That birth was – that was a rough one. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, the group actually does head out to search for Crystal. Lottie tells Misty, Mari, and Akila to go on without her. And then her and Ty have a little conversation. Tell us about that conversation between Lottie and Ty. So Lottie asks, or not asks, like says to her, like, you're the reason why we found Javi. And Ty is like, I don't really know if that's the case. Like doubting what Lottie was saying. And Lottie was basically, like, encouraging her to not fear this other side of her. Like, she was framing it as, like, a good thing. And she said, like, maybe since you helped us find Hobby, that you'll be able to help us find Crystal. And Ty says something like, ever since I started doing your prayer circles, like, my sleepwalking has stopped. So this other me is gone. And Lottie's like, she's never going to be gone. Like. And that's a good thing. And that's the first, and and Lottie and Ty have a very similar conversation in the adult timeline as well. Yes. They like, like, just like with Van and Ty, like they kind of mirrored each other. They do. And I also saw some similarities with um, Lottie telling Ty it's okay to have this other darker self and the interaction between what we now know is her fake therapist, right? Yeah. Um, Lottie's therapist is kind of telling her to embrace whatever is inside of her, not to suppress it. And, you mm-hmm. know, Lottie's kind of giving Ty that same advice. So I also found a little bit of mirroring perhaps with yeah. that. Um, 
Yeah. So Misty, Mari, Akila, they're all out looking for Crystal. And then Misty pulls out some acting, right? She starts really getting upset and like, this is really upsetting her. And, you know, the other girls say, okay, you know, we'll handle it. We'll handle it. And then um, Akila tells Misty to go back to the cabin and they uh, keep searching. And then meanwhile, that's when the whole cliff thing happens. We already went into that a little bit. Coaches approaching shit cliff. Um, It's at that point, Misty is at the bottom of the cliff trying to unbury Crystal's body. She then kind of makes her way up and that's, you know, when, when Misty saves coach life, coach's life in a, yeah. a strange kind of way. But in between all of that, Shauna goes out to the meat shed and starts talking to Jackie again, um, almost willing her to appear. And Shauna's having a really hard time. Like she really needs Jackie. I mean, at this point she's lost her best friend and she's lost her son and she doesn't trust the group. I think she still has this picture of, of the dream of them eating her yeah. baby. So she's really, really grasping at any sense of comfort she can try yeah. to find. She obviously feels very alone. And even though Ty is like there for her, like I don't think that she's capable of like allowing herself to let Ty help her. Yeah. I agree. She wants Jackie because Jackie was like her comfort. Like, even though that baby was like Jackie's boyfriend's baby, like, which is so messed up, but like, she still wanted her in the end. Like, that was her source of security. Right. Definitely was. And she's unfortunately not getting any more ghost Jackie. And I'm curious if I I believe they've said that Ella will be back because we. have seen ghost Jackie haunting adult Shauna. So I would find it strange if all of a sudden there's no more ghost Jackie in the adult timeline either. Although I had thought maybe they replace ghost Jackie with ghost Adam and Adam starts haunting Shauna. But as far as I know, there's no return for um, Peter Godot on the show. So yeah. Oh, well. Okay. Well, lightning crashes. An old mother dies. Misty is humming a live song, and Shauna demands to know where she heard it from. Uh, Misty says it was Crystal, and then what does Shauna do? Shauna punches her right in the face, and then she starts screaming, like, you killed my fucking baby. Like, I saw you. You were covered in blood. Like, you ate my baby. And Thaisa says, Shauna, that's enough. You're acting crazy. Lottie steps forward. And Shauna punches Lottie and Lottie has like a bloody nose and Lottie puts her hands behind her back and she tells Travis to take Javi into the bedroom and shit's going down. Yeah. And she then says to Shauna, I know you're hurting. I know there's a lot of pain right now, but you need to let it out because we need you. Let it out, Shauna. And Shauna lets it out like full freaking force and just starts pummeling the absolute shit out of her. Like I thought she was going to die. Like that was insane. How many times she hit her. Yeah. I love the makeup and the prosthetics they use. We don't have the one with her of like the full, like blown up face, but I mean, she was, was torn up and we know that Sophie Nelise actually took boxing lessons. And I think that really added to that um, sense of authenticity of the scene. 
And ooh, Alex is saying, as soon as Lottie had her hallucination with Travis, I thought Shauna was going to cause her near-death experience. Oh, interesting. Yes. yes. Well, they say, like, most of them have had a near-death experience. And that's when, like, they said that they saw this, like, antler queen figure or whatever. Like, Travis definitely said that when he told Lottie that he wanted to hang himself to be close to death because those near-death experiences are what what gets them what they want but it like I I really think that Lottie was like close to death like when Shauna hit her so I definitely think there could be something to that it does make sense and I mean adult Travis to your point was like that's what he was trying to get to and we saw Nat had a similar experience when she had OD'd Mm -hmm. so um yeah and I mean, Shauna and her bloody knuckles, she really, um, it's been a, it's been a wild couple of episodes for Shauna. Yeah. Wow. So that is the teen timeline for this episode. And as we discussed, there is, there is some definite mirroring that is going on in both timelines. Mm -hmm. Um, Emily, what's the first thing we see in the adult timeline? The first thing we see in the adult timeline is Misty Gathers all the adult yellow jackets all together when they get to Lottie's and she makes them hand over all their personal belongings and she gets to Shauna and she makes Shauna hand over her purse. And Shauna's like, really? Like, is this absolutely (laughs) necessary? And then they, um, then after that is when Lottie tells the other women that when somebody joins this intentional community that they're a part of, that they typically pick one of, these treatments that they offer and the choices are renewal forage guidance and self-care and all of them pick different options which I'm glad they all pick different options because I was curious to see what each option meant um and then it shows us that well Van interjects and says like this is not for her like she doesn't buy into this she's really glad that Natalie's alive and that she's okay, but, and she's glad that Lottie's not in Switzerland anymore. And that part was interesting to me because Lottie says, like, I haven't been there in over a decade. So we now know that it's at least been 10 years since she got out of the mental institution. And that kind of puts some form of like a time frame as to when maybe she started this community to begin with. Like, it gives us a better idea. Because like we've said, you don't just like build a cult following overnight. Like you have to foster that community. So it probably took her a little while to create this community and build the following that she has. And how did she get the money? Is it family money? Is it the Matthews, you know, family money? Did she use her settlement from the crash? Um, But I mean, she's built up quite the place in this last 10 years. So. I am curious to get more information on what transpired after she was released and the start of the cult. So, yeah, yes, definitely. It is crazy to think she could have been there for 15 years. Lisa Matthews. Absolutely. Yes. And Alex said uh, family money and settlement money. Yes. Probably a combination of the both of them. So, yeah, we know Lottie's family had a ton of money. They chartered the plane. Right. And we are all under the assumption that like they get a settlement because of what we see in season one when Shauna does that Google search of herself 
and it shows articles. It in one of the articles, it said something about Laura Lee and Lottie, and it didn't say settlement, but like that's what I interpreted it as. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So we see Ty. She chooses renewal. Shauna chooses self care, which is what I would have chosen. Yeah. Uh, Van chooses forage, and Misty ends up in guidance. Um, and it's at that point when Lottie shows them the emergency landline, which I will pull up one more time and highly recommend everybody give it a call. 607-478-1033. Genius immersive yeah. marketing by Showtime. Yeah. I love that they weave in these opportunities for fans within the show. Yeah. Very smart. Yeah, very, very smart. And I will give all of my information and get on all of their contact lists anytime. So <laughs> saved it in my contacts, Emily. Saved it in my contacts. So Shauna learns that self-care is, in fact, not Manny's petties and massage. She learns that she will be taking care of a goat named Bruce Ooh. for the rest of the day. And she assumes she's going to have to sacrifice the goat. But that yeah. is not the case. Right, Emily? Right. Yeah, and yeah. honestly, if I were Shauna, I think I would be under that assumption too. Like after not seeing Lottie for all that time, like, and we see how big Lottie is into like sacrificing things in the wilderness to get them what they want. So it's not a far stretch for Shauna to assume that that goat would be a sacrifice. Yeah, and what a little cute goat he is. And I'm so glad they did not sacrifice him. We had done a little poll on Twitter, you know, is the goat just a friendly, like, goat's milk cult pet? Is it going to be sacrificed? Is there no meaning? Or I even thought it could tie back to Walter, since Walter had mentioned having a goat at one point. But turns out um, Walter was involved with a very different animal scene in this episode. So. Yes. Uh, Misty's going to engage in her therapy, the um, sensory deprivation tank, but instead she decides to do some snooping around. Uh, MFQ does not want to be inside of that tank. And of course, we'll find out later what does happen when she does settle in. Mm -hmm. But we see Ty tasked with painting the side of a barn with the world's smallest paintbrush. Yeah. I would have been so frustrated if that were me. (laughs) I mean, same. That is not a task I would have wanted to do. And I'm not the most patient person either. So I don't know if I would have been all Zen just sitting there doing the painting. But this presents an opportunity for Lottie to come over and talk to Ty. And Ty opens up to her about the sleepwalking, which to your Mm -hmm. point, mirrors that same type of conversation from the teen timeline. It was so interesting to me how like, the adults, like, they seem to, like, open up to Lottie so easily and tell them their problems. Like, and the ones that we're seeing do this are the ones that were skeptical of her in the teen timeline. So I feel like maybe something changes that, like, makes them get on board with, like, what she's spewing because both Ty and Shauna confide in her in this episode. And we know Shauna and Lottie are not on good terms in the teen timeline right now. I mean, Shauna just beat the crap out of her. So it was just really interesting to me that they both had no problem, like, just opening up after not seeing her for all that time. 
I was kind of wondering, I mean, there's, you know, Van had made a reference to cults and, and Kool-Aid or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. is it possible that they could be putting something in their smoothies to like I've loosen seen, them up a little bit? I've seen people speculate that like they're getting microdosed with something. And maybe that's Ooh. why like Natalie's change in behavior has happened because she's so different from the way she was last season. And it's only been in that timeline, like the course of a week. So maybe, maybe that is true. Maybe she is giving her something. I mean, to Alex's point, Nat is acting weird and I think she might be drugged. There is another show on Hulu called Nine Perfect Strangers. I believe it's from the person who did uh, Little Big Lies. And that microdosing comment you made reminded me of it because it is a wellness retreat. There is some microdosing involved. Mm -hmm. There is even a ritual where they have people lay in holes that they bury for the, uh, that they dig for themselves is an illusion of death. So um, anyway, it's a pretty good show. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're looking for something else to watch, but I digress, but the microdosing, I do think that there could be something to that. Yeah. When everyone else is drinking alcohol, Nat is chugging on those smoothies. Mm. Mm. She right? didn't partake in the drinking. I didn't she did that. not. She did not partake in the drinking, which good for her. I thought yeah. she did at first. Like I actually, I assumed she was kind of cheer- cheersing there with everybody, but yeah. um, she did not. So um, Lottie gives me Nicole Kidman energy in Nine Perfect yes. Strangers. Yes, Nicole Kidman plays the uh, cult leader in that Nine Perfect Strangers it's show. So good. And um, yeah, they're put in a near-death experience for a breakthrough. There yep. are definitely a lot of similarities in that. So check it mm-hmm. out. It's on Hulu. It's pretty good. Easy yeah. watch. One season. I think it's one season. Yeah. Yeah. So um, back to the woods where we see Shauna. Uh, sitting there and Misty finds her, asks her what she's been doing. And then it's at that point, Shauna realizes that the goat escaped. <laughs> and I think she was sadder than she thought she would be, right? Yeah. This exercise is actually like drawing out some emotions in Shauna. And so Misty helps her uh, find Bruce. I It was so fu- funny when Misty started helping her because she's like, she like brings out food and she's like, I've been stashing food in case they try to um, make us calorie um, something about like not giving them enough calories. So that way it will prompt like out of body experiences. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Such a misty thing to say. Super misty thing to say. Um, and then, you know, Misty's kind of like poking fun at Shauna for killing Adam. And that mm-hmm. that really strikes a chord with Shauna, yeah. who then freaks out, um, asks for her help with Bruce because he ate a bunch of rope. And then um, Shauna decides to take it up with Lottie and ends up approaching her. But um, it's a very emotional thing. Like Shauna starts crying. She learned when she learns that, you know, she won't have to kill the goat after all. And I actually wrote down what she says to Lottie in that moment too. She says, I think it's just that I've always kept my daughter, you know, Callie, like at arm's length, just out of fear that she would die, I guess. Or maybe that she was never even real to begin with. I tried to tell myself it's okay, that I'm safe to think of her as mine, you know, and to just be her mom. So it's very clear that like what happened to her in the wilderness, like very still much affects her. And it's a big reason why she hasn't been able to bond with her child that's actually alive. It's a huge revelation. To Lisa's yeah. point, Shauna finally admitting why she struggles with Callie was huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. Their relationship has been so incredibly strained 
from the beginning. And of course, Shauna's built these walls after having experienced what she did with losing her son. And yep. um, I never would have thought that coming to Lottie's compound is going to be what actually helps Shauna. It's so yeah. ironic given yeah. her lack of buy-in in the 96 timeline. I was really surprised that she opened up to Lottie more than I was surprised that Ty did just because like in the teen timeline at this point, like Ty's like participating in what Lottie's doing. Like Shauna is very much against all of it and does not agree with it. So it's a big change to see her like confiding and trusting her with like her deep secrets because Shauna's not a very open person. Oh, it, it's a huge shift. She's probably got the most walls up of everybody. Yeah. Like Nat had said in season one, um, you know, Ty and Shauna, they all are suffering from the same type of trauma, but they're just maybe better at masking it with their families and so-called yeah. normal life, whereas Nat didn't have a lot of that. So again, it just, this is the beginning of the breakdown of of Shauna's wall, I think. Yep. Absolutely. So... Misty ends up getting into the water tank and <laughs> she begins <laughs> to have a dream vision of a full-on musical number complete with a human-sized version of Caligula. Um, this was unexpected, I think is one word that I, I would use. Um, I, for a minute, was like, what is going on right now? Um, I, you know, we knew human size Caligula was coming because mm -hmm. we had seen John Michael Cameron posting um, about it on Instagram before. And this, I don't, I don't know. I, I'll admit, like, I didn't love it at first. I, I was kind of like, this seems so out of place. Yeah. But I appreciate it for what it is. I love the Garfield phone that Elijah Wood yeah. is using. Um, and I mean, Caligula, you know, if it, if he was a human, I think they, they nailed that characterization. What were your thoughts on this, Emily? Did you love it? Did you hate it? What do you think? At first I was like, this is really weird, but it's so fitting just because of who Misty is. And we know that she has this insane love of musicals. And we also know that Walter has a love of musicals too. So her seeing him and imagining him in this dream, vision, whatever you want to call it, makes sense. Um, and also, like, I feel like it kind of highlighted the fact that Misty doesn't have friends because she's envisioning herself talking to a bird and it's her pet. And she says something like, do people view me as somebody that's just desperate for love? Like, so that kind of made me a little sad. Because, like, she doesn't have anybody, and she is desperate for human connection in some form. Like, we see that, especially with Walter now. And after this vision, she immediately goes and calls him. Like, so, I didn't hate it, but it was definitely, like, kind of strange. 
Right. And lots of comments on this. Um, you know, Misty's trip was iconic. There were some twin peaks and all that jazz. That, yeah. And then um, someone had also said, it reminded me of Six Feet Under in the first season when Lauren Ambrose had a wild random musical number in her head. I totally forgot about that. I would also like to correct myself. I said the wrong name earlier. I meant John Cameron Mitchell. Yes. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate that. Sometimes I just speak too fast. So um, thank you. Appreciate that. But um, we also hear Caligula calling Misty a closer, which I just mm -hmm. thought was really funny. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the term closer, right? It reminds me of Jessica Roberts a little bit. I don't yeah. know. Like, I, I just get that Jessica Roberts vibe with the word closer because she was a fixer, yeah. right? So yeah. um, and then the Morse code thing with, you know, mm -hmm. um, her imagining Walter calling her with the Morse code. There is like it was cute, but I, I just. I don't know if I'm like a hundred percent sold on it. Yeah. But my husband was like, what is going on? Like he was so confused. Yes. Yes. And you know, Vine said, I noticed the queen of heart card too. I started freaking out because I had, I had this whole thing about if Misty was connected to the queen of hearts card. Wait, notice the queen of hearts card, like in this vision. Yes. So I'm trying to find the comment. There was, the Queen of Hearts card on the mirror of Caligula. And then Vine also oh. said before they went into that, there was a quick flash where there was a, a picture of Crystal in there. So I um, will have to go back and rewatch it. Yes. And Vine said, I am his biggest <laughs> fan. I love human Caligula. Um, yes. Oh, here it is. Uh, Lisa Matthews. The postcard of the Queen of Hearts was on his mirror. The postcard too? The postcard and the Queen of Hearts were on his mirror. So maybe so we will revisit the postcards then. Yes. So, got the postcard though. Yeah. I mean, and her being called a closer, like, I just, I'm wondering. Did she send the postcards? Did she send them? Was it mm. Jessica Roberts that sent them? I, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of far fetched. But the whole postcard thing never got any resolution. So, hopefully, yeah. we figure that out at some point. But yes, I did not notice the Queen of Hearts card on Caligula's um, makeup mirror. So, thank you guys. This is the best part um, having the fans chime in because, hey, we're not perfect. We're human. We miss things like all the time all yeah. the time I know I do so thank you guys for always holding us accountable and yeah. um yeah let's see the writers want us to ask who is the queen of hearts yes well we know that the playing cards will factor into the next episode somehow because we see in the trailer that they're drawing cards and we see that moment where Mari looks really scared of something in the cabin like backing up um into a group of people and i think that has to do with the playing cards i'm dying to know yeah i'm dying to know about the cards i mean the queen of heart thing has been factored into the promo poster we are now seeing them picking the cards um yeah someone said it would be funny i think it was on twitter if it was a deck of uno cards instead because it'd be really funny when like they hit the reverse and stuff i don't know <laughs> i thought that was kind of funny but um yeah. So wrapping up on the Caligula hallucination, you know, Misty does in fact go um, call Walter, leaves the message like you were saying. And um, I'm dying to know, is he going to return her call? Is he going to show up there? I mean, we should be seeing Walter again. So hopefully it's going to be in the next episode. Yeah. Because I mean, I interpreted 
when she called him, when she said, you were right about the thing, like I interpreted that as her saying, you were right about the idea that you had that I somehow had something to do with Adam Martin's death. Um, that's what I think it is. And I mean, when he said that in the car, like he said that he didn't care what her hobbies were. So I'm starting to think that maybe he really won't care if she kills someone, but maybe the other adult yellow jackets are not okay with him knowing what he knows and he has to go for that reason. Right. I think that could be highly likely. So we will see how this Adam Martin thing turns out. I hope that they we get a little bit more resolution this season and don't end on a total cliffhanger unless yeah. it's like something wild, like Jeff takes responsibility and then, you know, oh, no. ends up dying with the blood spatter. Uh, really quick, Michelle, thank you. I appreciate your comment. I like when you guys say things, you tend not to say them as fact and welcome our ideas. That's why I prefer your podcast. Well, we appreciate that. And Nikisha, same. I watch a lot of Yellow Jackets content. Y'all are one of my favorites. You can tell your real fans and not just in it for views. I appreciate that. Seriously, that means so much. We really are mm -hmm. huge fans of the show and we love doing this and interacting with you guys is literally one of our favorite parts. So yeah. cannot thank you guys enough for that. Thank yeah. you. Um, Vine mentioned the Morse code said, I love you backwards, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Hmm. It's and funny. I think it was just like cycling over and over again. Like he, he was just repeating like what he was typing in over and over again. Yes. So this is an interesting comment too. Cue awkward noises. You were right about the thing. Sounds an awful lot like adult Travis's note for Nat. Tell Nat she was right. That I wonder if we're ever going to get like a real answer as to what that note meant too. Because unless it means like tell Nat she was right that we brought this darkness back with us. Like I could see it meaning that, but we've said already like that neither one of us buys Lottie's story as to what happened to Travis. So I hope that at some point we actually see how it really transpired. Right. You know, Lisa's saying uh, as to why the Morse code was backwards, I think it was the mirror reference with Twin Peaks. Okay. Interesting. You know, I never watched Twin Peaks. Me neither. But I I've feel like I need to so much to Yellow Jackets, especially yes. after this last episode. And Ashley and Bart are big fans of the show too, so that explains why there are a lot of these similarities. I've seen a lot of threads on Twitter with images next to each other yeah. that you know there's a lot of um, mimicking there. So yes, ooh, so. Apparently, we might be seeing the fact that Walter likes puzzles, like physical puzzles, which is a hint for the next episode. It is, in fact, a hint for the yeah. next episode. It chooses. We see Poison, the Queen of Hearts card, and a puzzle. So perhaps the puzzle does pertain to Walter. The Poison, I would imagine, somehow tied to Misty. Or maybe yeah. we're right. Maybe they're being, like, poisoned in at Sunshine Wellness. I don't know poison, like maybe yeah. maybe something a little bit more innocuous than actual poison, maybe like mushroom microdosing, yeah. like we mentioned. Yeah. But um, yeah, gosh. Yeah, I'm really curious about that poison. Like my immediate thought was obviously Misty because mm -hmm. she's poisoned multiple people. Like that's her MO. Like that's how she killed Jessica Roberts. So yeah. I think that's her like go-to method. 
Yes, we will see. And we never really got more closure on Jessica Roberts either. I mean, we saw Ty in her fugue state going to Jessica Roberts' house to retrieve the folder, which she used to go find Van. But Mm -hmm. we still have not seen a conclusion aside from some Reddit activity with the Parsippany poisoner. So, Mm -hmm. yes. And, uh, you know, maybe poisoned like they were in Doomcoming. Yes. Maybe someone does put mushrooms in the smoothies or whatever. Um, Hmm. Oh, and, you know, to Alex's point, she was still carrying around the morphine and the needle, too. Yeah. Right? Yes. Good point. Good point. Yeah. I saw that. I'm like, how in the world is she just carrying around, like, liquid, like, IV medication? Like, how does she even get that? <laughs> how is she not a serial killer? I mean, yeah. that's, like, quintessential serial killer kit. Please. Yeah. So back to the adult timeline, uh, Van and Ty are sitting and they're having a heart to heart. Um, Van Mm -hmm. said she had chosen forage and she foraged a bottle of tequila out of her car. I love Van, her humor. I love that both Liv Hewson and Lauren Ambrose can both play that so well. I I just love Van Palmer as a character. I I absolutely love her. So um, this heart to heart was nice to see the the Ty Van moment. And Ty tells Van it will be a long road, assuming she's referring to the possibility of them being together. But then Van can spide something in Ty. And what does she tell her? She tells her that she can't wait for her. And she doesn't say like, she can't wait for her because she doesn't want to wait for her. She can't wait for her because she doesn't have the time to wait for her. And she tells Ty that she has cancer and that she only has months left to live. Like she says something like, you know how when people find out they have cancer, like somebody says, oh, well, it's not the bad kind or, oh, at least you caught it early. Like that's not the case in this circumstance. Not the case at all, which brings us to our next speculation of are they going to make some kind of a sacrifice to try to save Van once again, given that conversation in the teen timeline where she's talking about her purpose and the fact that she ended up living. I am dying to know. I I can't imagine that, you know, whatever this power is, is enough to cure um, a terminal cancer, but maybe they're going to give it their best go. If the timeline, like, in the adult timeline keeps up, like, with the way it's been going, like, I feel like the amount of time that passes in the adult timeline is a lot less than passes in the teen timeline, obviously. So, we might not even, like, see months, like, until, like, over the course of the rest of the show. Like, so, I don't think that cancer is going to be what ends up killing her if she dies. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to your point with the timelines. You, yeah. you know, I mean, for the rest of the series, the five seasons could be a course of five months. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's only been a week in the adult timeline. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting the way that they play with time and it varies between the two timelines. Yeah. Makes it so interesting. And of course, this season we got the 1998 view post rescue mm-hmm. as well. So, that's something that I am really hoping for in season. Three, more of that 1998 stuff. Oh, wait. I wanted to highlight this one. I need to know who is taking care of Candy <laughs> and if Simone is okay. Same. Um, also, Steve the dog. Like, he, uh, where is he? Where is I he? Know. And I know. Who's taking care of Caligula? I mean, granted, it's probably only been a couple days with the passage of time the way it is, but still I know like what's going on with Sammy. She's a Senator. I mean, like, doesn't she have shit to be doing? 
And what did say? She did say at the beginning of the season when she's on the phone with her campaign manager that like she just got elected, like she isn't even in office yet. So I don't think that she's like officially taking the role yet. But yeah, like you just got elected as a senator and you're going to run off and go to a wellness community in upstate New York and like not tell anybody where you are. I mean, yeah. And again, isn't it suspicious that she's not there supporting her poor wife who's unconscious in a hospital bed and, you know, whatever's going on with Sammy and, of course, Steve? Yikes. So Ty and Van continue their conversation. Uh, Van basically says she never planned on telling her at all about the cancer because they really don't know each other anymore. And Mm -hmm. that's really sad. Yeah. It's really sad. But that also, like, tells us that they really haven't been in contact with one another either. Like we know that they went to Shauna and Jeff's wedding, but I feel like after that, their relationship like ended pretty quickly because Ty says in the first season that like she dated a lot of beautiful women in college. So they had to be broken up when Ty went to college, obviously. Right. Um, To Alex's point, it's more weird that she left her family than her job. Absolutely. It's weird that she left both of them. I mean, definitely her job just because it's so high profile. But like I said, like her wife is sitting there laying unconscious in a hospital bed and their poor son, I mean, who's already been through a ton of trauma over what's gone on between Ty and Simone. So yeah, absolutely. Oh, and to Nikisha's point, Taisa left her assistant's car on the side of the road, potentially with the yellow jackets folder inside of it, which who knows what's going to happen if that folder is found and what else is in the folder. Yeah. Yeah. Is is it possible that um, Akila is in the folder or Mari or Jen or Melissa are in the folder and we've yet to see them. Or Coach Ben. Or Coach Ben. I mean, I want to get my hands on that folder. Yeah, same. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Okay, so this concluding portion of the adult timeline to me was crazy and something that we kind of called a little bit with the therapist not being real. Lottie's Mm -hmm. seen with her saying, um, this is what it wants for us to be together. Um, And then... When Lottie hallucinates the antler queen and, you know, we realize the therapist was never sitting there. What is the line, Emily, that the antler queen says to Lottie? It is. I don't want to get it wrong. Hold on. Let me scroll to it. What is a. What oh, is a hunt? you know hunt what? It's about violence. You tell me. Does a hunt with no violence feed anyone? Yeah. And from what I've seen, like, in interviews about that scene, um, it's supposed to be the therapist dressed up as the antler queen. Okay. Okay. Um, And, of course, we see the camera distortions, and Mm -hmm. we know that Lottie's just been imagining the therapist all along. And the comment about with no violence is, is very interesting. Of course, we see them in the team timeline in the next episode, brandishing their weapons, they're going on a hunt. So there's probably going to be some violence. And I would imagine yeah. that holds true in the adult timeline as well. I think the first session that she had with that therapist was real. Like the one where the therapist told her that her normal therapist was on sabbatical and she only gets seen every six months. But every session after that, I think 
like never happened. Like I think that it was all in her head the entire time. Yes. And uh, to Lisa's point, I love that it was Lottie's voice for the mm-hmm. Antler Queen too, by the way. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it was a little unexpected. And and I'm- as somebody pointed out, that's the first time we heard the Antler Queen speak. Like out of all the times we've seen this figure, they've this person has never said anything. So that kind of like makes me think more like if the Antler Queen is a person, then maybe it is Lonnie. Right. And as Vine is saying, if you call the emergency line during the first glitch, you hear Lottie in a whisper type of thing going, it's not real. Yeah. So what's what's going on with that? And what I really loved was reading the interview with Simone Kessel saying that she was not even told the therapist yeah. wasn't real. She is an actress thought this was a real thing with her character seeing a therapist and was told like during filming of one of the scenes, oh, by the way, the therapist isn't real. And she's like, what? And I'm like, what? Like keeping things from actors can be great because it just adds to the depth of authenticity that they can bring to it. So I think that was another example of that. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. It was it was crazy. And we kind of knew the therapist wasn't going to be real. We saw like that honeycomb shelf, too, which was a little bit sus. Uh, There were some indicators. And just the things that the therapist was even saying to her, like she was encouraging her to like lean into these visions and like wasn't framing them as like being a bad thing. Like and I don't think a therapist would really tell somebody that. No, no, I agree. I it didn't seem right from the start. Um, I don't I think we've had a couple mental health professionals comment too, like that's yeah. not typical speak for a therapist. And and Hoff pointed out it's Lottie's voice as the antler queen. So I took it as her internal dialogue. Mm. That's interesting. I see that. Definitely could be her internal dialogue. Uh, meanwhile, Nat gathers all the adult yellow jackets together. They discuss what they learned during their therapies. Van passes around the bottle of booze uh, between Ty, Misty, and Shauna. Again, Nat is abstaining from alcohol. Um, and Lottie gets out a crate of what appears to be alcohol, and the women begin to drink and let loose with each other. And it's really the first time they seem to have like truly enjoyed each other's company. I loved that moment. It was so nice to see them all together and like happy for once because obviously like we see so much in the teen timeline that like that's awful. Like they just went through such traumatic things and to see them all together and actually enjoy each other's company is like so different from what we've seen up to this point. And they engage in some just casual banter. You know, Nat's asking Misty if Walter's her boyfriend. Misty mm-hmm. tells everyone that Nat slept with Kevin Tan. And, you know, it's funny. Like, they're kind of reverting back to their their teenage days a little bit. Yeah. And I just love and appreciate that. Misty then starts to say, that first summer, do you guys remember? And Van does not like hearing Misty start to reminisce. No. She was really annoyed by that like because Misty was almost like looking back on these memories with fondness like that it was a good time and that really upsets Van like you really want to talk about like the most traumatic thing that ever happened to us and frame it as like a good thing like what is wrong with you 
Yeah. Oh, definitely. And uh, it was a beautiful moment, as Lisa is mentioning, but the snow is alarming. And the snow kind of plays a a bit of a role in the team Mm -hmm. timeline as well when Lottie says, you know, it stopped. And then the snow starts in the adult timeline. And they're really happy about it, which is interesting because – if I was trapped in the wilderness for 19 months and had to brave two winters, yeah. I would never want to see the snow again. Like it would be triggering Absolutely. for me. I feel like I would want to move to California where I live now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yes. no, it doesn't make any sense. Like, like you said, like I would assume that snow would be triggering for them, like in some kind of a way. And they were all happy. Like they went outside and they were dancing in the snow. Hmm. So. Yeah. It's it's interesting. And Natalie then starts to ask the other women how much they remember about their time in the wilderness. And she says she remembers, but some things are hazier than others. Ty says it's like the memories have been stuffed down somewhere very deep. And Shauna says she's okay with the idea of keeping some of those memories suppressed forever. And I think she's been very successful at suppressing quite a lot of them. That's her go-to way to deal with everything is to just suppress it. And maybe like being all together again, like allows them to feel comfortable enough to share the way that they actually feel because they know these women know them in a way that no one else knows them. Oh, I I mean, they've been through something that hardly anybody in the world ever has been through. So very unique traumas, unique shared mm-hmm. experience. And of course, we're seeing the fallout of that still. Yeah. Uh, Ty tells Van she knows a specialist at John Hopkins. And then lightning crashes comes on again. And it's playing in both timelines, of course. Um, and the adult women begin dancing around all together in the snow, looking really happy. And mm-hmm. it's nice. It feels nice to get them all back together. We've all been waiting for this for so long. And, and you know, here they are. Yeah. But then there's an urgent phone call. Mm-hmm. One Shana of the bodies, yes, uh, one of the cult members tells the group that Shauna has an urgent call from Jeff. And of course, that's when he discloses to Shauna that Adam's body has been found. His but, voice, his, what he says to her cracked me up. Like just the way that he would like said it, like Shauna, Hey, do you recall that missing man from your recent auto collision? <laughs> Well, I have some difficult news. Uh, he's dead. And um, the authorities believe that they have found his remains um, buried out at Barney Park. Like, he acted like somebody was listening to their conversation. Yes. Which, you know what? I give him props because he's trying to do the right thing. It's like, you know, his version of like the lawyer cookie. Like, he's trying to yeah. follow all the rules of being a criminal and your recent auto collision. <laughs> I just, I love Jeff. And we talked about this on the Hive After Dark. Someone had speculated that because in the next episode preview, we saw blood spattering on the Sadeki family photos and um, something about and Callie and Jeff having a conversation. Is it possible Jeff ends up taking the fall or somebody mm. gets killed? Uh, where does the blood come from at the Sadeki house? I don't know. I'm hoping that's a hallucination. The blood spatter on the picture. I'm hoping that part is like not real because I'm not ready for us to lose Jeff. No, me neither. And I just, I give him props for being so careful on the phone because I mean, they could be listening. So 
I mean, really, he should have used a cell phone instead of a landline. Was he on a cell phone or was he on a landline, actually, now that I think about it? Don't remember. I I feel like it was a landline because I remember thinking to myself, oh, good, he's not, like, disclosing too much. But maybe it was a cell phone. Either way, I love Jeff. Do not want anything to happen to him. And, um, yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. We don't have many episodes to go though. So um, one thing that I would like to see is a bonus 10th episode, right? Because Ashley Lyle did kind of tease it. And I think it could be a standalone episode. I would like to think that it would be the Jason Ritter cabin daddy backstory. Mm -hmm. And it's a standalone episode where we get the entire history of what happened at I, in the group chat that I'm in, we were talking about this recently, like who he could be playing. And somebody said, maybe he isn't cabin daddy. Maybe he's cabin daddy's father. And we're getting like an origin story of him as a whole and like how the cabin came to be because he didn't create it like somebody else did. And it was passed down to him or something like that. Yes. I, I want any type of information we can get on any history of this cabin. We've spoken before about a potential Robert Hansen Mm tie-in. I just can't wait. And we can safely assume Jason Ritter is playing somebody in that historic timeline, whether it's Cabin Daddy or his dad or whoever. He's wearing the jacket. Exactly. Yeah. The pictures that we saw that I think it was Michelle that shared with us, um, of him in that jacket. Like it's the same jacket that we see Travis wearing, the same jacket that we see Lottie wearing. Like they all use that jacket in the teen timeline. They share it. And it was obviously there when they got there. So yeah, I want to know where it came from. I want to see the history of like who owned that cabin before they found it. Yes. I, can't wait. I cannot, I can't wait to see Jason Ritter. I also love Jason Ritter and I think it's great. You know, him and Melanie didn't actually get to work together in Yellow Jackets. They were clearly in two different timelines. And mm-hmm. we had posted some pictures that I believe it was our friend Michelle um, had posted on Facebook and Jason Ritter was wearing that jacket and he also mm-hmm. had a baby, but it was not yeah. Melanie and Jason's baby because she's a little yeah. bit older. And we yeah. learned that it is actually twins that is mm-hmm. are playing the one role of the baby in that cabin daddy or cabin daddy, daddy, cabin yeah. granddaddy storyline. <laughs> so yes. And uh, to Shelly's point, he was great in candy with Melanie. I love that they work together in different things. Um, Him and yeah. Justin Timberlake like cracked me up in candy. They were oh so Oh my God. Funny. I love them. I, I love Justin Timberlake. Oh yeah. my goodness. This chat is overflowing with amazing ideas. If Corona says, you know what? It sure is. And I, I know we just said it not long ago, but the chat's our favorite part. We yeah. used to record episodes and now I think as long as we're able to, we're planning on live streaming just about everything except for um, like our patron only episode and some other exclusive so much content. fun that way. Yes. Yes. Um, and Hoff, is it certain Jason is on this season? I believe yeah. in the articles they did specifically say season two. Yep. It was yes. a guest appearance in season two. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, cannot wait for that. 
someone had also said on Twitter, maybe the 10th episode will be like a holiday episode Mm -hmm. or a pre-crash episode that just has, you know, the girls in their everyday life to give more story into their backgrounds, their families, et cetera, et cetera. So either way, I want a 10th episode. They gave us 10 in season one. Yeah. It seems like with Ashley kind of alluding to it, there's a chance. And I will hold on to all hope. Like, why would she say that if there's nothing to back that up? Yeah. I mean, I I think I think it's uh I think it's gonna happen. I think it's gonna happen. Do you think it's gonna be like the week after the ninth episode, or do you think it might be like later in the year? You know, that's a really good question. I think staying with the momentum of the season and the hype that it would build by announcing the the extra episode, I think it would make sense to play it, you know, the week after episode nine, but they're so smart with everything they do and their different marketing campaigns that it wouldn't surprise me if it was later and it tied into some other initiative that the Showtime Paramount marketing team is working on. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it's right after, but at the same time, I wouldn't be upset if we had to wait a little bit. Because then that will just give us more yellow jackets to hold us over until season three. Yeah, something to look forward to. And uh, before we wrap up with this episode, we should touch upon the music from episode 207, Burial. Like you mentioned, uh, Nirvana, Something in the Way, opened this episode. And I agree with you. That song choice was incredible. I've been waiting for some Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Love that. Now I just need to get a little Pearl Jam sprinkled in and, and mm-hmm. my 90s um, rock self will be very happy. We also hear Sit Right Down by Cast, uh, The No Return by Alanis Morissette in the theme song, of course, Dream Girl Evil by Florence and the Machine, Six Underground Sneaker Pimps. Also love that song. I thought that was a, a good one. Uh, Satna Mantra by Jean Pham Hu Tree uh, and Free with Florence and the Machine. So we did get double Florence in this episode. And now the third time we've heard Florence, because, of course, we also got the Just a Girl cover from No Doubt um, before the season started. And uh, Lightning Crashes by Live. And I didn't know there were two Florence and the Machine songs in this episode. Yes, um, there were. I also thought there was only one. And then someone in the Hive After Dark mentioned double Florence. And I was like, oh, yes, there were two. There were two. So, Yes. Uh, And the live lightning crashes. I loved live. I saw them in concert. I had a t-shirt. I think it was like 1997. I saw them. So I loved hearing live and I love the way they mirrored it in both timelines. Yeah. It was a really good use of the song. And I mean, it was the perfect song choice, like to show how much Shauna is struggling, Grant, like because of the lyrics of the song. Oh, Yes, I yeah. I love the music department on Yellow Jackets. They nail it. Let's read the episode summary for the next one. It chooses Emily. Go for it. It's the only it's only going to get worse from here. Despite the whole winter's never going to end thing, the 1996 New Jersey State Girls soccer champions decide to start their spring training early with an impromptu cardio session. Callie encounters an old flame. Van proves goalies never say die. Most of the adults intentionally commune in the sharing shack. And Lottie, baby, I hear the blues are calling for tossed salad and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Now, that last line is a reference to Seinfeld, right? That or, or full, full House, maybe? Okay, so the... Okay. 
Toss salad and scrambled eggs. That is 100% Frasier. Yes, that is in the Frasier theme song. I thought the Mercy reminded me of like Uncle Jesse from Full House and Have Mercy. I mean, that could be a stretch. But also, Van Proves Goalies Never Say Die gives me all the Goonies vibes, which was one of my favorite movies in the 80s and growing up. I love the Goonies. Like, such a big fan of the Goonies. And just to have a little Goonies reference in there makes me like so excited i i love i loved the goonies you guys like literal maybe one of my favorite movies of all time i you know my kids watched it recently and i don't think they were as impressed as i was (laughs) with it but you know goalies never say die i will take any goonies reference at any time so yes yeah mercy mercy is full house have mercy uncle jesse that's what i was thinking too so it's interesting that they have um Ooh, oh my God, hang on. Pictures for episode eight are out on Paramount Express. Oh. Just saying this morning that I was really surprised that those pictures hadn't been released yet. Yeah, so we'll have to uh, buzz over to Twitter and make sure we get those posted. And uh, to Alex's point, just a lot of 90s references. I mean, that is a lot of 90s pop culture in one episode description, or 80s, I guess, for Goonies. But um, Goonies, Frasier, and Full House, like all in one thing i like how they've shifted the episode descriptions a little bit they used to be a little bit more like standard but i feel like they've been a little out of the box and i just appreciate that infusing these pop culture references in there is something i always love they're good at what they do they sure are well, uh, Emily, I feel like we did a pretty good job of covering episode 207. Lots yeah. of speculation, lots of spilling, lots of awesome fans in the comments chiming along with us. Thank you for that. Yes. And um, again, you know, we uh, have our Coed Naked podcasting shirt at coednaked.com. Use code HIVE20. Save 20% on anything there, including the podcasting shirt or the soccer shirt like Van War or any other of the co-ed naked sports. Such a fun, amazing 90s brand. We did interview the owner, Mark Lane, in a prior episode. So that was kind of fun as well. Yeah. Yes. It was great. Sure was. Well, Hive After Dark coming up on Sunday, 7.05 p.m., uh, 10.05 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, the After Dark will have Milo and Jenna Burgess this week, uh, Melissa and Jen. So that is going to be a lot of fun. We cannot wait. If you're a patron, uh, we may bring a couple of you on to ask questions. So we will deal with that on the Patreon side of things. Um, actually our friend Kim is going to pop on. We had arranged with her before for her to pop onto this episode because she does the Monday media yellow jacket summaries and we thought that could be fun. So she's going to pop on as well, but cannot wait for the hive after dark. We love interviewing yellow jackets, cast members. We work really hard for the podcast, Emily. We book all of our interviews all by ourselves. We are really hustling over here and we've got lots of fun stuff planned for after season two as well. Mm -hmm. So cannot wait to share more on that yes so stick around (laughs) definitely stick around and i hope everyone has a great day today thank you for watching yes thank you all for watching and until we spill again